To the True Blue LA podcast, I'm Jacob Birch. In the the drovels of uh, is that a word of December? We're in the middle of winter. It's cold here in Kansas City. It's a word now. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, hi, Eric. How are you? Hello. You are. That was the most chipper intro ever. And oh, feels good. I, uh, I'm, we're I'm, away I'm, from I'm the, the misery that is it. baseball playoffs. Yeah. We're we're not even. Yeah. We're we had one full calendar month in between uh and baseball ending and now we are in december uh it's a new time it's officially off season we are 2019 season is like basically ancient history at this point i would love for you to look up the last time the dodger season ended on a win so it had to be they had to not make the playoffs and they had to oh. win the last game off the top of my head it's 2011 Okay, well, well, we'll go with that. That was the last time I was happy, uh, this happy, but today's going to be happy. Uh, I sound happy. Not only are we that far removed from losing baseball, we also, you and I are drafting the team of the decade, the team of the tens, team we're, of the we're teens. Dra- we're drafting players that may or may not have played on the 2011 team. Uh, spoiler alert, it was actually 2012. Okay. Uh, they ended that year with a win and did not make the playoffs. They missed by two games. Hooray! It's probably some players that played on that team. Yeah, they uh, yes, for sure. Uh, they beat the Giants that day, so they they ended their season by beating the Giants. That's like That's the most good Dodger way possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. So yeah. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to talk just a little bit about decade stats in general, uh, the highs and the lows. We've got some questions from Craig. I think you have a Dodger Rewind from us, don't you? I do. That's exciting. We're going to have all that after this. So before we get into a draft mode, get our get in our war room, figure out our what what players we should be taking, uh, we've got a little bit of news that we should probably cover, including late-breaking news as of like a few hours ago, late last night, I think. Yeah, but oh, actually, before the breaking news, have you seen? Have you? Do you have Disney Plus? Have you seen Baby Yoda yet? I okay. have. I do. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't have it, but I, I like. I'm, I'm enjoying all the gifts and the memes. Uh, Baby Baby Yoda for some something I have not watched is one of the most adorable things I've ever seen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it's like it's like dominating my headspace right now. So that's that's kind of where I'm at as we're recording this. Um, okay, so. Uh, um, Speaking of sage, ancient warrior, uh, uh, Baby Yoda, like this, I don't know, whatever. He, it, as it, it, it as adorable is Rich Hill. Yeah, yeah, Rich Hill. Um, so currently a free agent. Uh, Dodgers uh, are among the many teams interested. The uh, the issue is he, he probably won't be available till like June or July. Um, he had. Um, he actually had a surgery in October. Um, uh, it was it, it's called primary revision surgery. It's not it's not like a full Tommy John, but I was looking this up, and it's basically like for people who have already had Tommy John surgery, like they go in and like clean up the the UCL and um, the, like the repair they already made and like um, that sort of thing. He had Tommy John surgery in 2011, so this is way back. 
Um, and so, uh, Rich Hill, this is from uh, J.P. Hornstra in the Orange County Register. He, he talked to Rich Hill, said, this wasn't an option six years ago. This guarantees I'll be back. Given where I'm at in my career, how much longer I'd like to play, the percentage of success is upward of 95%. So, uh, he sounds, he, this was sort of like, um, towards the end of the season, he was like pretty adamant that he wanted to still pitch. So I think like we talked about, like a return to the Dodgers makes sense, especially because uh, even if like, let's say he didn't have the surgery, I think the plan would have been probably for him to like get around 20 starts and you just take what you can get, you know, and maybe he's healthy later in the year. And I think that's the same case now. So maybe it's going to be some sort of a, uh, if they do sign him uh, sort of a, you know, a one-year deal with incentives or something like that. Um, I guess the report is, I think his agent said, um, told one of the, maybe one of the reporters from Boston that I think like 10 teams have called in. So it makes sense. Like, you know, someone you could stash probably signs for a couple million plus incentives. That makes sense. But uh, yeah, so that that's sort of where we're at with uh, Rich Hill at this point. Other news came like I mentioned, late last night, early this morning, involves Scott Alexander. This would have been a much better Baby Yoda transition for me because <laughs> today, I was going to help you out, but I didn't know which you were going no, to. No, so <laughs> you're right, you're right. It's my fault. I messed that up. Um, so it's the today's the tender deadline, um, and there's nothing more tender than Baby Yoda. So <laughs> there, there we are. Uh, yeah. So it's mostly for like arbitration eligible folks, like. Um, uh, like, for instance, like Justin Turner was in 2013, uh, after 2013, when the Mets said, you know what, we don't like this guy, we're going to non-tender him and make him a free agent. And then he ended up somewhere else. I forgot where mm -hmm. I didn't, I stopped following. Um, so, um, you know, the Dodgers have 12 arbitration eligible folks. Um, and, you know, these things sort of work, the, it's whole, the whole system is sort of designed to where the two sides sort of have their own ideas of what they're worth and then they sort of meet in the middle um and it usually doesn't really work until like deadlines are in play and usually the deadline is like in in january which is the actual date to exchange figures and that's more of a hard deadline the dodgers have a rule of uh you know uh it's you know trial and go or trial and file so if if a player files for arbitration they cease negotiations and then they will go to a hearing. The Dodgers haven't gone to a hearing since like, man, I actually forgot the, I, this is, was, this was one of those things that was like an easy fact every year. I think it's 2007. It was Joe Bimel. Um, so, and like Friedman uh, was like five and O oh in arbitration cases in Tampa, but he hasn't gone in a long time either. So generally the, these get deals done. This is much of uh, more of a softer deadline, sort of, um, more toward the fringe players uh, in arbitration, I will say. Um, so, like, Scott Alexander had surgery himself last year. Um, he, The MLB trade rumors projection had him making a million dollars in arbitration. So um, he signed a one-year deal for $875,000. Um, and so he'll be back. You know, he has options, so he's much more of a, you know, someone the Dodgers can having the minors if they don't use him um he's you know obviously big sinker guy has had some control issues maybe not as um sus subject to the proposed uh three batter minimum that might may or may not be in play this in 2020 that'll be interesting to see but someone who uh 
this will happen after we record, but before we post this, uh, like today's the tender deadline at 5 p.m. Pacific. Like Yemi Garcia out of options in that same sort of boat. Like he's someone they could non-tender just because like probably he has he has a long shot of making the team. He's also the same kind of guy they can come to a deal with. And it could be a non-guaranteed deal, which is like most of these deals are. Alexander's deal per Hornster was guaranteed. Um, and he could, uh, Yimmy Garcia, if he does agree to such a deal, maybe he could be what's sort of uh, effectively a roster invitee where he's on the 40-man roster, but like still sort of a long shot to make the team. And like he's sort of using spring training as a, audition for not only for the Dodgers, but like the other 29 teams. So we'll see how that sort of goes, but um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll find out more on that uh, between now and then. Before we get right into the decade stuff, I think there's one bit of news that it involves numbers and, and money numbers, which I always associate with you, Eric. I don't know if you are trying to distance yourself away from that, but I, I know you love getting nitty gritty in your spreadsheets, so I'll let you share like, this news. I, I, I do not mind um, having that sort of uh, rep. So, yeah, so um, the annual sort of accounting of the, uh, I guess you could call it the postseason bonus or whatever, however you would term it um it's the postseason shares um the uh this has been around for a long time like a century or possibly even more um the players pool is made up of uh essentially a split of the gate receipts from every round of the playoffs and it's set up to where you know these were (laughs) this sort of rule was like born in like times when gambling was prevalent and like a real threat to the sport um, where, so it, it's only for like the first, the guaranteed games of the series, like in the first round in the division series, it's the first three games in the league championship and world series. It's the first four games. So it's not one of those things where it, the players could like throw games to make sure the C- the series goes longer. So they make more money. Um, it's actually <laughs> the, the the team's benefit, like if it, if it has a series goes longer, they actually keep, uh, you know, more of the, the, they keep the gate receipts for the final few games. So there, so there's no like sort of, um, you know, foul play or whatever, but so the total players pool this year was, it's the third highest ever, but, uh, down 9% from last year, this sort of, uh, goes hand in hand. That's more of a baseball interest thing. Like I, I do wonder, I, obviously this is like very small potatoes, but like having the Dodgers in the world series um, to have uh, half the games in the last two world series in a 55,000 uh, seat stadium, as opposed to like in the forties, that probably plays a small role in it because the world series is the highest uh, value ticket. So uh, that probably played a little bit into it. But anyway, the further you go, the more you get. Um, and then the teams usually split it up. They they generally vote like who gets a full share. Some people get a partial share. In it. It, it's not just players. It's like clubhouse attendance, some um, some like some I don't know. I think team PR people even get in there, or just you know generally like people who help out the players a lot. And that's the players vote on it, so it's up to them. But um, the Dodgers share this year a full share was thirty two thousand four hundred twenty seven dollars. So you know. In a sport where like the minimum salary it was five hundred and fifty-five thousand, it's one thing to like 
okay, on its surface, like that's like to me, that's an amazing amount of money, right? <laughs> like, right? To, to you and I, that's a significant amount of money. To like a major leaguer, maybe not. But I, I think some of the like the younger players, like look, Max Muncy hasn't really made anything in the majors. Like he's played two full seasons now as a major leaguer, so like that's good. But like that's that's like a pretty good bonus, right? For like someone like that. Uh, but it's been it was even better the previous two years because uh, they in 2018 the Dodgers player share was 262,000 the year before it was 259 just shy of 260 so um, you look at it this year like the World Series loser this year was the Astros and they got 256,000 so it's just slightly down the Nationals for winning it got 382,000 per player or per, per uh, full share. I was looking at this. So the Dodgers from 2016 to 19 under Roberts, you know, one LCS trip uh, or one LCS loss, two World Series losses, and then this year the first round loss. But that's, you know, three deep runs in the playoffs um, in four years. And the total, like, full share for players who were on, like, all four teams in the who got full shares, $677,918. Not, not a bad uh, sort of – extra bonus uh, as it were to play in October. So like if, if you're like someone who's um, making like near the minimum in those four years or maybe three of the four years, that's a, you're, you're basically making like a, a whole another year's salary by making the playoffs in all those years. So good for them. All right. Ready to talk about the last 10 years. Yes. You know, it's remarkable. You and I have re- recorded podcasts for most of these years. Yeah, I, I always weird? forget how early we were we started this. <laughs> like, we, I think we talked about this before. It's like it's still shocking. I, 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 I vaguely remember like literally recording with you in 2013, and I know it probably started even before then. But like, uh, man, that's a long time ago. Like, it's just like it's so long ago. Doctor Pepperburger, forever ago. Oh One my of the god! Earlier yeah. episodes was that sports bar? <laughs> it or was the sports the bar was? In, yeah. in Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Yep. Well, we're gonna have to go back on this knowledge because I was so you sent me the top hundred player position players and top one hundred pitching players for the decade, sorted by WAR, just to kind of refresh our memory. And man, once you get past like even yeah. fifteen names, you're getting into some really like ooh man. Remember I don't remember that name or like I remember that, but I can't believe they're that high up on this list. So. And we kind of talked about this. I don't remember how much of this was on the air last podcast, but when we sort of talked about Bellinger and how he ranked in the decade, like the the decade for the Dodgers is basically for the most part split in half. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you you, ba- you basically have a group that was there for the first half, and then a group that was there for the second half, and then like Kershaw and Kenley were there for the whole time. Yeah, it's sort of the Madeline years and the Roberts years with yeah, a little exactly. in- intermingling. Yeah. And, and like even like Andre Ethier was technically active for eight years of the of the ten, but like his last two were like not he was injured till September. So but he was that's basically like he's like a six year guy. And then like Matt Kemp was obviously he was uh first five years of the decade, then traded and back for one. So like there's all the and then like the new group with like Seeger and Ballinger and not Jock Peterson and like all the it's it's just funny like to see sort of the split like just when you're looking at these and you're like man uh it, it's pretty crazy 
So we're going to draft the team, and we're going to kind of go over how we're going to do that first. But I think you wanted to sum up the decade in general, just how the the team ranked amongst the other teams of the decade, but also the Dodgers sort of and their franchise history. Yeah. So I lo- okay. So just looking at it, like the this decade, I mean, <laughs> look, first we got to get the important thing out of the way. It's Obviously, missing everybody... something. It's a really yeah right. <laughs> the, the Dodgers like did not like win a championship. So. What? Like that. That said, like so, that's obviously the 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 huge caveat with all this. But then the as we know, we, we've talked about this before. Like the decade is much more than like it's. There's obviously regular season. That's a huge sort of um, barometer uh, of success too. Uh, so the Dodgers during the decade um, of the 2010s, they won. They were they won 919 games. So. 92 wins a year. That's like very good for any extended period of time, especially for a decade. Um, they were that's second uh, in MLB uh, during the decade. I believe the yeah the Yankees were first. Um, they had seven playoff appearances. It was the last seven years they won the division. Uh, that was tied with the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees won four divisions, three wild cards. The Dodgers were the only team with seven. Um, uh, seven division championships during the decade. Um, they they were uh, third in playoff wins. Uh, they had third. They were uh, what is it? Thirty three, and they were a nice break even. Thirty three and thirty three in the postseason. <laughs> that sounds this, so yeah. on the nose and perfect, <laughs> right? So, but like that said, over a, a, a good period of time, that's a that's a pretty good mark. So they were third in the majors in playoff wins in the two thousand tens. The Giants. Who, who only made the playoffs three years or no four years because they won a wild card too, um, but had the three championships. Uh, they won thirty six games in the postseason, and the Cardinals uh, won thirty five. So those were the two. And it's funny, like no American, no American League team was up there. Um, so yeah. So in Dodgers history, the only two uh, decades the Dodgers had a five sixty seven win percentage uh, this decade. And look, we I understand. We're, we're talking like baseball decades here and act, the actual decades is actually year one to 10. We get it. We know, shut up. Uh, <laughs> this is easy because it's the, it's the, you know, the, t- the tens, the twenties, that kind of stuff. So that's what we're dealing with. Uh, in the 1950s, uh, the Dodgers had a 592 winning percentage in the 1940s. They were 581. Those were the only two better decades. They did not win a championship in the 1940s either. They won uh, two in the 1950s. So, this does uh, take, take every, every time we've mentioned this before, but it's the Ven quote in the life of Dodgers. Nothing has ever come easy. It really, this team really feels sort of like that Dim Bums team, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Harold loved lots of, lots of great memories, but frustrating at the end. Like, um, so when they won, when the Dodgers won their first championship in 1955, they had gotten so close, like, you know, uh, they were they lost to the Yankees in the World Series in 1947, 1949, 1952, 1953, and they lost their the heartbreaking playoff in 51. So that was like in what that, that's an eight-year period where they have like five but I, in my opinion, like I think we're we're this decade is closer to a different decade, and I think we have a question about that. Oh, do you want me to move on right into that? 
Yeah, let's do that. Hama Kavula, Todd. Uh, I don't know what you want me calling you, but I'm going to call you Hama. Uh, from the Do- uh, Baseball Toaster Dodger Thoughts Day, uh, when you and I, we were all just commentators. Yeah. His question is, many Dodgers fans seem to be frustrated with the team right now. And why not? After underperforming in the playoffs, including back-to-back World Series losses, the fan base is starved. On the other hand, it might be instructive to look at the Dodgers of the 70s, who had similar postseason results. Now, 40 years later, how do you think about the 1970s teams? As great, memorable teams that never quite got there, or underperformers who didn't step up in the biggest moments? And then follow-up question is, what do you think the legacy of the 10 Dodgers will be in 2059? Yeah, so this was a really good question, and I, I guess I never thought about this. So in hindsight, we look now at, like, the 70s Dodgers as, like, a very good team. They had, like, you know, some great players. Uh, they had the infield. And then it was all, like, culminated because they ended up winning the championship in 1981. So, like, I th- I think, like, that's going to determine... Yep, I agree. ...after the fact. So, like, but if you look at it, like, the 70s, it's, like, a really good comp. Like, the 70s uh, Dodgers win percentage was 565. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously different different time. Um, they won, they won uh, 910 games, so they averaged nine, uh, or 91 wins a year as opposed to 92. And it was just a different. It was a different playoff format. Only the divisions got in, no wild cards. So a little bit different. They they did only make the playoffs three times. They also were up against the big red machine that decade, but held their own. Um, but they got to the World Series in all three of those years. So like, it's a pretty like good comp. Also like, they uh, Tommy Lasorda took over as manager from like um, Walter Alston. First two years gets to the World Series. They lose both. Just Dave Robertson in his second and third year got to the World Series, lost both. Um, and like they didn't, and they beat, they lost to the same team and they beat the same team in 81. So that added a little bit to it. So like the Dodgers don't necessarily have that. But like if they could just break through and win a championship in one of the next two years, um, that's how you sort of validate what they've done. Not that it necessarily needs that, but it kind of does. Um, it's funny because like, you know, I don't know, like the current CBA expires at the end of the 2021 season. And like the, the owners and the players seem to be at odds more so than any time, like since the actual, the, the wiping out the world series baseball strike of 94. So like, if you look at this, like if there is like a baseball strike, uh, like to start the like 2022 season, and maybe that's like an abbreviated season or something, what if the the Dodgers win the championship that year to just complete the full comp and and like uh, they're basically like following the seventies rubric uh, to a T. So maybe that that's what they do. So maybe next two years just lay low, compete, but may, maybe don't win. But then two thousand twenty two, we have a strike. Say it wipes out a third of the season or a fourth of the season. The Dodgers win their one hundred and twenty game schedule. They win the West. And then they actually break through and get to the World Series and win it. And then then we'll look back and go, oh, yeah, they made like three World Series in six years or whatever it is. It is but funny were, how just really one, one flips yeah. the script. It's just how complete all it takes is one. You can be a loser yeah. all the rest of the time, and that's what you'll be remembered as. Right. Well, then, But also it brings up the point, too, of like uh, if people like 
no one no one like goes back and looks at like the um well let's say like the 2018 brewers right like they they got to game seven of the nlcs people think that of the dodgers more as losers in 2018 than the brewers mm-hmm. and they beat the brewers <laughs> so like you know like if you if you get to the world series and lose that's like the worst thing you could do from a perception standpoint <laughs> and like whereas it's actually like a great accomplishment and then like uh like just compared to this year right like they lost in the first round completely different off season um or postseason too but like it really colors how the season when they won 106 games but then if you look at it like so yeah you just you just tack on that one championship then you're like wow so this team this is like their third world series in x amount of years they won 100 games at least twice, including 106 one year. This was a really good team for a good period of time. And then, but yeah, like I said, need that you need that at least like one championship to like sort of justify. Yeah, and maybe it, maybe it's something like one every six or seven years is what you, you need. Thinking about the Braves team, I think that the Braves team in the 90s is sort of still kind of thought of as a, man, they, sh- they should have won more. But yeah. still not like not to the level. They're not the Buffalo Bills, right? Which right. is the consummate like is this where the Dodgers are headed? Comparison if we kind of go uh, to all sports and hopefully not, right? And then if you look to like they won the other championship, they were man they were up two zero on the Yankees in ninety six. They almost won two in a row, uh, and then but like look at the team they beat in ninety five to win the championship. The Indians. Like the Indians went, went like five straight divisions. They were excellent. They won a hundred games in the short and strike season. Oh, they were so good. And like they didn't win a championship. The Mariners were so good. They didn't win a champ- They're not mm-hmm. thought of. They're they're you know much more of like a. Uh, what like went the Mariners wrong? didn't even get to the, world the Mariners, season. especially. Yeah, what so, went wrong in that season? Like, yeah, how did you not so, win? You were so good. So like that's where you're sort of headed if you don't like complete the the mission, I guess, as it were. All right, we're going to do this draft. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to explain how it goes. And I think you have a long uh, list of stats for us after the, the first pick. We'll be back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, here we are. You and I each get a decade team. We can't pick the same player. Uh, we're going to fill... It's not going to be a what? full 25-man <laughs> roster. Well, some of these players, it really feels like we should get to split them up, like pitcher and catcher superstar Russell Martin. But how it works is uh, we're going to draft, I think, four starters, two relievers, one bench player, and then a, a starter at every um, offensive position. Um, and then we're going to kind of compare notes. Some of these are really... It's This is... We were looking at this ahead of time. Some of these, it's really easy who one and two are. Some of them, I have no idea who you're going to pick whatsoever. And others, you really want to get that first guy because it gets a little shallow after that. Yeah. All right. Anything you want to add to that? No. All right. How we're going to figure out who goes first. So I've got a pack. This is the 1992 Heritage Series. And I just want you to tell me if the player I pick is a pitcher or a catcher. Uh Um. Okay. Uh, got it. 
catcher. No, uh, a pitcher or a position player. Sorry. <laughs> I, oh, said, sorry. I said catcher, so yeah. this is my bad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'll go position player. That's how I get you. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It's, a, it's a left oh, fielder. I, you said catcher. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Bip, Bip Roberts. All right. All right. So you get you get to go first, um, and uh, I think I know who you're going to take. Do I get to go now? Oh, you get a pick. You get a pick. I guess I'll, you get the option. I'll, I I will go first, and I will take Sean Pickens. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll take I will take uh, Mr. Clayton Kershaw. What? Yeah, yeah not not close. How how much right. he leads the de- the Dodgers in decade war. So, yeah, I was looking at this because, like, okay, so not only is, like, Kershaw, you know, clearly the number one. Like, and, look, this isn't just, like, the war leaderboard. We did, like, make a list of players by war just as a sort of a reference or whatever. But it's, like, laughable. So, it like, just from, from pitching war. Okay, well, yeah, from pitching war, I, w- I won't even say who the other, the next players are. But like he has more than triple the second place guy. The Do- <laughs> the Dodgers only had four players, uh, three other players in double digits WAR for the decade. Um, this is baseball reference version. The Dodgers had ten players in double digit position player WAR. Um, Kershaw was double the number one, uh, trip over triple the number two uh, of position players. So like he is head and shoulders. Ahead, like we were, like sort of had a dilemma about this, but we figured the way to go is to give the next person the next two picks uh, to sort of um, make it more fair, <laughs> more balanced. Uh, wanna... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah let's see. You have I, a bunch. You have a bunch I, more I notes. Saying, I'm gonna, I, you're going to go through. I think. I, I stopped myself. Keep telling me like, oh, more about Clayton Kershaw. Not only did he do, but yeah. So yeah. So yeah. There's like. So I just went through. Like he actually. Um, so in in the 19 uh, or in the sorry the 2010s Kershaw uh was first in the majors in pitching war uh from both baseball reference 59.3 and Fangraphs 59.1 if you look back at the at in every decade for the Dodgers and this is not like any 10 year period it's like just the 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 each specific decade so like the 1900s the 1910s the 20s etc the um the only other uh, Dodgers pitcher to have a 50 war decade was Dazzy Vance in the twenties. He was 50.1 and he only pitched eight years. And so if you look at that, like if you want to sort of balance that to Kershaw, Kershaw's first eight years of the 2010s, he was 52.5 war. So slightly ahead of Vance. Surprisingly, Koufax didn't have 50 war, but that's also because he retired in 1966, leaving um, three years on the table in the sixties. So, he had 47.9 war. So in his seven years in the 60s, um, Kershaw in his first seven years of the 2010s had 47.7. So like, like we've grown up the last decade hearing um, all the comparisons between Kopax and Kershaw. They're left-handed. They're legendary. They've each won three Cy Youngs. Uh, Kopax has won some championships. Kershaw has not. Um, but like that that's just another way they're sort of linked. Um the performance is really great. There's other pitchers. Uh, it's happened uh, eight times. Uh, so five other pitchers have had a 30-war decade with the Dodgers. And we'll talk about one of them a little bit later. Um, but just in, in terms of 
uh, in the majors in the 2010s, Kershaw was first in ERA, 2.31, first in ERA plus 164, um, first in Cy Youngs, tied with Scherzer uh, with three, first in complete games, 25, first in shutouts, 15. He was second in FIP, 264. I don't know if you're staring at the, the show am. notes right now, but oh, okay, Dan. <laughs> so, okay, I was going to ask you. I would, I would not have guessed. Okay, easiest trivia question ever. Who is no? Okay, so it's Jose Fernandez who, who sadly passed away, obviously, but he had seventy six starts, um, and uh, he was two forty four. So uh, uh, fit. Um, Kershaw was actually third in strikeouts, twenty one seventy nine behind Scherzer and Verlander. He was third in innings. He he was nineteen ninety six, so just four innings shy of a two thousand inning decade. Also behind Verlander and Scherzer, third in wins, one fifty six. Behind, you guessed it, Scherzer and Verlander. <laughs> they were really close, 161, 160, 156. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a awesome decade. Like that's that's about as good as you can get um, uh, in terms of just overall performance. So, uh, yeah. So I think I, I like we we knew he was going to be the first pick. That's why we had to sort of figure out a way to to balance out the teams otherwise. Speaking of which, so I get two picks, right? That's what you're telling me. Yeah, you get the next two, and then we, we'll just draft two at a time after that. So I'm going to go on two positions of, of scarcity, I think, where it gets a little dry after the top picks. And I'm going to take Justin Turner mm-hmm. uh, as my third baseman, 27 position war. Yep. And then I'm going to take Kenley Jansen as my closer, 15.8. So, so full full disclosure, that those would have also been my yeah. <laughs> two, two, three. Had you pick Kershaw, you you could like making a war argument is fine if you want to pick someone over. It's, it's less but war. Like, I mean, war matters, right. but, but just in terms of so, who else, who else? Right, <laughs> he's the closer of yeah. the decade, right? Like, and so like he was so good. So I I completely get it. Um, and, and like uh, Turner has like a, a pretty huge lead in war. Like, mm-hmm. uh, only one of the twenties. Uh, among position players, the only other, other, only one of the twenties, even counting pitchers, other than Kershaw. So, like, we, I think we talk about this a lot. We underestimate just how good Justin Turner has been. Um, he's been excellent. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. So, I have, uh, <laughs> I have a couple <laughs> picks here. Um, I will. Mm, I'm, this is a tough one. I mean, it's funny because you're just really getting the picks out. Okay. I have to... Hmm. I'm going to go... Hmm. Man, this is tough. I'm thinking. I'm stalling. Um, <laughs> I noticed. You know what? I, I'm going to... I'm going to go Seeger Bellinger. Okay. I, I don't blame you. I was oh wait no we need I need to ask what position are you taking Cody Bellinger at? Oh, good question. <laughs> well, actually, uh, let's just to to give ourselves the flexibility. Uh-huh. Like, let, we oh, you're going to slot them later? That's not fair. <laughs> well, what, but I mean, like, it, it just depends who. Yeah. Could, you know what I mean? Like, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, like, I I just. I'm entering him in our table as first base for now. Sure. But like it's, I mean, look, he, I should just put him in the outfield, but like just because he played there more, but. but it, is, it is interesting that he's, he's played there more. He's shown how our 
just how much value you can get as an outfielder. He's arguably more valuable there, but I still think of him as a first baseman just because that's how he came up. Not only right. it's how he came up, he, one I think the thing that was said most about him is like, hey, this kid can hit, and he's going to be a gold glove at first base. That was right. the pitch about him um, when he was a prospect. He won. He won a gold. His gold glove is in the outfield. His, yeah. <laughs> his silver slugger is in the outfield. His MVP was the season where he played more in the outfield. But you're right. I it's the same thing. Like I, um, in his career, but he he has actually played slightly more in the outfield. But it's only like 200 inning difference. So, um, yeah. But yeah, like so, that's yeah. for now. I'm listing him as a first baseman, but we'll see how the draft goes. All right, it's back to me. Uh, I am going to take someone I would not confuse with an outfielder and take Adrian Gonzalez, who we just lost about two minutes of recording to because I butchered uh, typing Gonzalez. Because I'm trying to record here, Eric. I got I to gotta type quick. You're, you're and, multitasking. I don't blame you, but it, it was still hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did play some outfield with the Red Sox. So All right, like, yeah, a little you know, bit. Yeah, but not as a Dodger. That was That man was slow. And just to make sure we have this on tape, your other pick, uh, Zach Grinky, hmm, makes sense. I was I was waiting to pounce on Grinky had you not picked him, but you smartly picked him. I was yeah. Before uh, I, I I took my time before I looked at the war sheet because I wanted to like come up with my names organically, and yeah. he he was who I came up with. I'm like, man, it's so interesting that a guy that was not with the team that long, but I couldn't think of anyone else that would come close, and it was cool to see War back me up on that. So, okay, so I, this is a, another thing here. Um, when to, when to go after certain positions, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to stick in the outfield, which, which will lead you to believe that I will probably keep Bellinger at first base. Um, I'm going to go Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig. Okay. Puig was definitely next up on, on my want list. Yeah. And like, this is like a lot of this is emotional. Um, a for Kemp because look he 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 was in the decline phase for the the better part of the, the decade, um, but he had the the iconic 2011 season is in the decade, um, an all star as a return player in um, 2018, uh, so and like yeah like I I wanted to pick in like. And you, you almost can't tell the story of the 2010 Dodgers without Yasiel Puig, like good and bad. Like, uh, and so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, that, those are my, my two picks there. So, my, for, I'm going to go, and this, you and I were talking, you came up with a list of um, 100 games at a position to come up with sort of loose positional eligibility. Yeah. And I'm breaking trend here because my second base baseman is, is Muncie. Okay, no, that, that and that's totally fine. Uh, yeah, because I, I remember looking because I was just trying to figure out a cutoff, right? Like just just to like list some names, just so we had a like a make yeah. sure everyone and Muncie's an inter- like top ten in WAR on the Dodgers with his two years. That's incredible, two years, right? And exactly, exactly one of the one of the better stories of the decade. And look, he's uh, with the with the Dodgers. He's played eighty three games a second, so that's you're fine. I, I, I think you're fine. And, and based on how, well, who knows what they're going to do this offseason, but uh, with like every sort of Dodger rumor involving them, like either uh, 
looking after like Rendon, probably not likely, or like Josh Donaldson, maybe more likely. Uh, it involves like Justin Turner moving to first, which means Max Muncy is going to play a lot of second. So you're just thinking along with that. So I'm 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 on board with him at second. You're totally fine. Next up, I have I have actual positions I could put this player at, but I think it it, it would I would be remiss if I did not put him as my utility player, Chris Taylor. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of perfect for him. He was like, yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. That's a good call. And just um, to keep our uh, listeners in loop, that's uh, Muncie's tenth on position more, and Chris Taylor's eighth. Yeah. So we're we're doing a doing a good job here of just chopping off the the main uh, players. Okay, uh, I will go. I'm gonna go with a battery uh, this time. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, second place Cy Young finisher, Hyunjin Ryu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will just make sure his groin is properly taped at all <laughs> times. Uh, and I just to have a catcher. Uh, Curious who you're going to go with the catcher. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Grundahl. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the leader in war, as I think most people would guess uh, at the catching position at 12th, but right behind him at 13th is who I will take and AJ Ellis. Yeah, I was going to which say, was you, cool you, to see. You, that actually kind of surprised me uh, that he was that high up. I know he was around a while, and a lot of that is just being around. But that was Fangra- neat to see. Fangraphs and Baseball Reference, I mean, uh, Fangraphs and Baseball Prospectus uh, have uh, the framing stats like boost Grendel's WAR to higher levels. Um, and, and so, like, that's where some of the differences. But, like, yeah, you're you're right. Like, A.J. Ellis would have been a perfectly – like, if, if you had picked Rondahl and I had to, quote-unquote, settle for A.J. Ellis, would have been totally fine with it. He was very good for when he was here in multiple roles, including, like, as the backup catcher. But, like, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a good pick. I'm going to force you to not take one of the early, early teen outfielders, uh, sort of stable outfielders. I'm going to take Andre Ethier as my first outfielder. Yep, uh, a, a Dodger lifer uh, was sort of in the, oh, sort of in that same vein with Kemp, but he he was there was the rumor for years that he was um, going to get traded away Ethier, but he ended up staying and Kemp got traded. So like, um, yeah, he, he's he was very very good, and that's a solid pick. Okay, back to me. I need to start filling some stuff here, but let's just make sure we get. Hmm. Um, man, so you took Ethier. So it would behoove me. Hmm. <laughs> this is this is tough. Yeah, we're getting to the. <laughs> you you okay. would think this would be easier, I think, to like come up with You're just right. two names in each position. Yeah, that, that's why I was like, I was. How deep do we go? Because we could have picked like two twenty, but then we're gonna oh. getting just <laughs> obscure. Like, look, neither one of us wants to put Aaron Miles on a team with two thousand tens, but we would have, we would have probably had to as we get to that. Okay, so here I'm just gonna fill out my outfield. Okay, and I will pick um, Jock Peterson, mm-hmm. um, and then just to. Uh, add another fun pitcher uh, who someone we've already mentioned on this podcast. I will take Rich Hill. Okay. I have to, I only have uh, Zagringi as a pitcher, starting pitcher so far. 
looking at this, how shallow is starting? It's so interesting because it feels like as long as we've been recording this podcast, we've said the strength of the Dodgers is their starting pitching. That's yeah. not true when you re- think back of the Grinky years, how how awful it got thereafter. But it feels like I've been saying that for so long that it would be true here. And then if you're looking by war, the next two names – the next two available names are Hiroki Kuroda, who two seasons, yeah. two amazing seasons, and who yeah. I'm going to take. And then I'm going to let the next name. I'm going to let you draft because it would be it would not be fair if I didn't let you take uh, the next name in war. So I'm going to take Hiroki Kuroda, and um, I've painted myself into a weird uh, spot with shortstop. Uh, another interesting position in that it's Seager. And then a bunch of guys that you kind of think of as utility guys that just kind of plugged the hole there. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I will take... um, Oh, man, I don't want to do this. Um, I will take Hanley. Which yeah, I don't, look for <laughs> the the value better than any of them I think like yeah just uh, also just, ruiner of a perfect yeah. game so it makes me sure. but I don't have Kershaw on my team so I guess that's fine okay so I I, I still need to fill second third and a, and a utility spot um so but I I kind of like my run of pitchers and I look I know the name you left for me yeah on the starting pitcher and. I owned a jersey of this man, and I won't say who it is yet because we could. I'll probably talk about him later. But um, I'm not going to pick him here. Uh, I'll let. You, I'll. I'm going to. I am going to wait as long as I can to pick him. How about no, that? No, that's totally fine. Which which means right now I'm going to pick. Um, man, how are you going to feel second and third? I've. This was. I literally went to bed thinking about this last night. Is once <laughs> Turner's off the board. Yeah. Okay, so what I'm going to do right now is first draft Walker Bueller, okay. um, because God, my I think are bad. <laughs> what? I, I'm going to get. Wait, you, you're not. You're going to force me to take uh, Chad Billingsley. Yeah, you're maybe. you're done with starting pitching. You don't have to take I, Chad Billingsley. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Um, okay, so just as a symbolic gesture, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to draft Kiki here. Yeah. <laughs> For, I'm gonna put him at utility just because that's where. Yeah, uh, I want I, I him and I Chris Taylor. Him. You can't like they yeah, are better right. than the people that you're probably gonna put at second and third. I say, but that said, like I, <laughs> I almost want to put. Him, I, I might have to put him at second, <laughs> so or third because, like, yeah, there's that's not a deep list. So yeah, I have some. I have some suggestions for you when you get there. I need outfielders. Yep, you took Jock, right? I did. What a jerk. Oh boy! Uh huh. Give uh, people an idea. Scott Van Slyke is the next up on Outfield <laughs> right? War. Who I I guess I take. He had a very iconic moment in St. Louis. Uh, you need the not typo again because you'll make fun of me. That's okay. I, I will not make fun of you, um, and I'm not just saying that because he blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> and then, <laughs> is I'm looking at this list now. Alex Verdugo is next, and then Carl Crawford after that. That's how. Can we only have two outfielders? Is that a thing I can do? I, look, you can position your team however you want. Like, <laughs> like you said, you have Chris Taylor. Like, so you say, like you could, you could. I'll, you, I'll, you I'll could. take Chad Billingsley. 
and put Since him in the wouldn't. outfield. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Thunder thighs himself. Okay. Wait. Oh, I see these. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's just because the us sign. I thought this would be, I did not think outfielder would get that shallow that quick. Right, and a lot of that is the fact that we think of Chris Taylor and Kiki Hernandez as the utility players, super flexible. Yeah, but at the same time, you need to put someone competent in the outfield. Yeah. Um, Wow. Okay. Uh, (laughs) This is this is where it gets this is where it gets. So third base, I I have a name for you. I look. I. I got some ideas. No, I, uh, I think I think third is easier than you're giving than you're stressing about. I think it's Juan Uribe. Look, I okay. He, I'll just say this: I will pick him because he was definitely going to be one of my two picks here. So yeah. I, I'm going to right now place him at third. Um, now my question is: Do I go for a second baseman or a reliever? And I was I was trying to set up a joke where I was taking oh, a I'm long sorry. time to pick because, <laughs> because oh the, I know who's the coming reliever, the reliever I'm picking first is Pedro Bucks. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like my I, only like, decision there was like do I do I pick Baez now or do I go Uribe and a second baseman or sure. Uribe and another utility guy and ugh, I and I, I didn't um, lead with this, but I I think I it should be obvious that while while it is lining up so far kind of on war, I'm picking more for who I like iconically think of at that position, and who I who I remember and have the most memories of this decade. War conveniently translates to that because either the person was around a really long time, and so they've kind of added point one, point five, point one, kind of over months of yeah. the season or they had one or two really really memorable years and that's what's going to generate memories as well and Pedro Baez definitely belongs there one really really good had also kind of bad in certain moments but also gave us plenty of time plenty of time pitching to just generate really funny tweets definitely one of the pitchers of the Dodger Twitter generation he pitched the last six years um he's second to Kenley in games uh relieved and uh, relief innings, um, and look, he he just straight like has a one thirty one ERA plus. So base level, very competent reliever, um, and like he's been around forever. So I think that that's why I got to take. Him. I was really happy. The next name um, that I came up with uh, was a name that I came up with before I looked at the WAR list, and I was really happy to see it reflect in WAR, which is JP Hal. Uh, I think nice. he, he flamed out a little bit and had kind of like petered out and didn't have a very good end to his Dodger career. But I just remember they had that two and yeah. a half year stretch where he was just solid. <laughs> he was the other guy you could always rely on after Kinley. I, I was going to, um, I was hoping to like uh, be able to take him late. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> but, but also like, um, because, and my rationale was going to be because, he would be the best fighter on the team because he uh, he famously like th- uh, like threw Turner Ward over the dugout rail when Turner Ward was on the Diamondbacks uh, in that brawl in 2013. Um, yeah, he he J P Howe was ready to go at the drop of a hat. One of the one of the coolest guys. So 
I I am now trying to stall to find another outfielder. Do you have any thoughts here? Who would you take in this oh, position? Okay. This is tough. Um, so unless I'm missing a name, because it uh the as I mentioned, the next up, um right. the next up in terms of pure outfielder and war is Alex Verdugo, and that just feels weird. Yeah, like if I hmm, man, see, I I the the first name I thought of was Carl Crawford, but like his his time was relatively short and obviously injury plagued. But like I guess the in 2013, I think he he ended up like really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a it's a that's a tough bar, man. To like <laughs> you know, like you know you're uh, that's yeah you're that's tough. So you okay? So you are wait. Do we just talk? Oh, you actually already did take Ben Slyke. I see. I um, did, yeah. <laughs> well, we're already past that. <laughs> I, I like it, it, it's just from a from a like I know we're not building it necessarily building a team. We sort of are, but like I think you should take Verdugo just to play center. But okay. like, um, but no, uh, but like I don't know. Like you, if you now it's just like um. Which one like moved you the most? Because like now it's like it's relatively short. Verdugo is really only like the equivalent of like a full season, but he's been parts of three seasons. Uh, Crawford was the equivalent of like two seasons. Andrew Tolls was like the equivalent of a half season, but also sort of memorable. Um, and the other options, as I'm looking just kind of at at, at our master list, are all I could move Taylor. Uh, to the right. field, and then, then there's a bunch of these 10 11 guys who I don't really I think of the um thinking of Raphael for call and Casey Blake, and I think yeah. of them as aughts Dodgers. Like, I know they were here uh yep. for the first two uh, years of the decade, but I don't associate them with sort of this wave, right? You're right, that that you're uh, that's sort of where I'm at with them. No, too. you know what? I am gonna I'm gonna pick Carl Crawford as a I, I'll have both. I almost like Nick Punto is not far behind on this this war list, uh, but I'll have both representatives of um of the trade and like one of the first really big memories uh, of that sort of second wave Dodger team of the decade. Yeah. So wait, is that are you telegraphing your last pick to be Josh Beckett? <laughs> uh, should have, you know, I, I'll have to look, but he actually is probably pretty high up on list, isn't he? No, look, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not that. <laughs> no, I think uh, by our sort of loose um, requirements, he didn't quite. Uh, he didn't make fifty starts. Okay, that was no, the and and but no, uh, but he he was excellent. Like in yeah. his, his last year too, and he retired. No, I think I think I knew who I want to take with uh, my last starting pitch you pick, but you're up. Okay, so. I have to pick a reliever and an offensive player, preferably second base. I, I think very... I know who you're. I think I have a second baseman in mind for you. I, like, yeah, and I already know. Like, okay, so I will go. I'm gonna play the the grizzled veteran yep. reporter card right now. <laughs> and and okay, so I'm gonna go D Gordon uh, for second. What? I'm going D Gordon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like, look, I like the steals. Uh, I liked, I liked how, um, he was, I thought he was excellent in 2014, made strides. Then they obviously was traded. Um, and for my reliever, I'm going to go Javi Guerra. Uh, like just a good dude, uh, was the, 
the nominal closer for <laughs> every couple of years where they were like, you know, I don't know about Kenley yet. And then like they, they started off the year with Javi Guerra, then they always ended up with, uh, um, with uh, Kenley. But yeah, so though just two like wonderful guys to cover, but also actually like performed like w- with the Dodgers too. So like, just for instance, like, so obviously Kenley dominated, um, Javi Guerra was tied for second in saves for the Dodgers of the decade with, with Jonathan Broxton. And he actually pitched uh, more innings because Broxton was mostly hurt. Uh, so, yeah, and he had a 129 ERA plus in his, you know, um, 102 innings, which is what we're down, we're down to at this point, like uh, looking at performance. But, yeah, I, I know. Who, who was your, Who did you think? I, what, like, Chase you, Utley. You, yeah, you thought I was going to go. Look, like that would have been a fine pick. But I just think, like, it would have been a fine pick. I, I don't have any problem with that. But I, I, I just when I, I do really enjoy a guy who steals a crap load of bases, um, mm-hmm. even if if the rest of his game has flaws. Like there's a spot for that. So yeah, I, I sort of like that. And plus, he was really good defensively at second. Um, so yeah, that that's sort of my team. Okay, I you know your team. I won't fault you. I think it's odd that Utley made neither of our teams, but. Yeah, you know, that's what it is. Uh, uh, Kinta Maeda is my last pitcher. Very solid, and and like and since we uh, we were uh, we could sort of do this either way. I will be okay if he relieves for you at some point. Yeah, no, uh, we'll have it. It's near the end of the year. I'll trade him to you. You'll make him a reliever, and you'll give me uh, someone else back. You know, we were talking about this, and like, had we gone a certain level of depth, uh, like Ross Stripling would have qualified. Uh, I think had we sort of loosened the requirements a little bit. Same with Julio Urias, like starter reliever, that sort of thing. Um, the other, uh, just just to peel behind the curtain. Oh yeah, uh, Gordon also qualifies at shortstop if I wanted to do that, but I have Seager, so it's fine. But um, Jamie Carroll was the other uh, multi-positional guy who, who sure. played a hundred games. He played a hundred over hundred games at second and over hundred at short. So he was sort of their like utility knife uh, player. Uh, before the the sort of modern era, so yeah, those I think we came up with two pretty good teams. I think so too. Uh, yeah, and it, it sort of went uh, like, especially the top, it went like as we sort of expected. <laughs> so it was good. So we're way behind for a commercial break. We're going to do that, and then I've got a couple of trivia questions for you. We have a rewind, and we have questions from Craig. Okay, before we move completely beyond these two war lists you sent me, I. This is a a many trend of the show. I I love small sample sizes and I love weird stat oddities when I just tweak the minimum requirements a little bit. Yep. And so I'm going to do that for you, Eric. I have two trivia questions, one for each of these lists. On let's start let's start with Clayton Kershaw. We talked about him a lot. He had okay. a 164 ERA plus um, over the decade. That does not lead the team amongst the top 100 WAR earners of the decade. Does not leave oh. the team. There are, I believe, three play- pitchers above him in that. Can you name them? And this is up the. And this is not truly small sample size. I mean, it is, but these are. You know, I'm not looking at the full list because it would. It gets weird. Um, I'm looking at someone that earned a top 100 WAR over the decade. Uh, Kenley. Uh, Kenley did not. He had a 163 just oh, below Kershaw. Come on. Okay. <laughs> um, wow. JP Howell? Uh, nope. JP Howell had a 148. 
What a loser. Okay. And I'm talking about me, not JPL. I don't want him to fight me. Um, <laughs> let's say, wow, this is, I'm going to be very mad. These, at all three of these were one season jobs. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, oh, um, Brandon Morrow. Absolutely. 202. Nice. Um, not the lead in the ERA+. The two uh, remaining names both were this year. Oh, oh, okay. Well, Russell Martin, obviously. Is, is Infinity on there? <laughs> uh, no, so it's interesting is I don't think they actually list ERA plus for position players pitching because oh, his okay. is just a blank. So maybe it is Infinity. I don't know. Um, well, so let's say it's four. Okay. So uh, there is actually one other name of, uh, and it was not this year. Good oh. Lord. I, man, uh, I shouldn't count that. That's He has a zero war. <laughs> okay, so players above a zero war. How about that? I'm not counting... Uh, Daniel Corsino, who had a 191 ERA plus. <laughs> okay, that's per- and then so there was another person from 2019. Uh, there are two. Oh man, and and one from 2014. I apologize. Good lord. Um. Oh, Josh. No, Josh Beckett wasn't that high that year. No. Nope. nope. Um. 2014. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of. <laughs> So the two Dodgers from this were, year, one from 2014. So thin that year in, in the bullpen. They stuck with Kershaw so long in the NLDS. Uh, it, um, was, uh, a, it was actually a start. Really? One game uh, start. <laughs> oh, do that. okay, then I'm. this is going to be really <laughs> tough. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about this year, though. Yes. Um, you know these two names. I should. Uh, Adam Kolarik. 5.52 ERA+. Plus. <laughs> um, and then, oh, no, he sort of, uh, okay. Go for um, good. No, it's not because that, that's wrong. Um, okay. Uh, I don't, like. <laughs> player I guess, did not make the play postseason roster. Right. Um, Much to my chagrin. So, my okay, my gut was Dylan Floro, but I thought he he played mm. out. Uh, Casey Sadler. Ah, there you go. And that's in good. 2014, Red Patterson. Oh, that's perfect. 197. What a what a perfect name. For All that. right, that's perfect. We'll do this next one quick. Of the top 100 players of hitting war, and get you an idea. Of this we're really going down to like 76, yes. I think. Nope, excuse me, 79. Um. Four or five of them, I have to recheck one of them, have an OPS of one or higher. Can you name them? Oh. <laughs> um, man, I'll... Uh, Two earned the majority of their at-bats this season. Um, and it's four, I, I believe. And I guess Kenley Jansen wouldn't be on here? Uh, correct. He had, um, he, he's 944 OPS. For Kenley. What a loser. Um huh, this is I I don't know why I can't think of this. Um let me think here. Um very limited. Dun, dun, dun. One of these players just was legitimately very, very good this year. Period. Yeah. Okay. Um and this is okay in total though, right? Yes. Okay. So but of the so yeah. Um Oh, Will Smith? Nope. Didn't make it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm man. This is terrible. I'm drawing a blank on like everything. I don't know why I can't think of my. This. So, a quick hint: if there's ever a small sample size hitting question, uh, one of the answers is always Dennis Santana. Sure, uh, I remember the, uh, that double. The leader, the leader, as far as I can tell, in OPS for the Dodgers in the decade at three is Jin Hui Sao. Nice, perfect. Uh, Edwin Rios one one point oh one zero. Okay, that's a weird way to say it, but okay. Uh, uh, how is one point one thousand ten? I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah, David Freeze ten ten. David Freeze uh, is the name I thought you would get. Of course, you're right. And well, well, I'm guessing he was what nineteen seventy or so, whatever he was. No, uh, <laughs> just just roughly. Yeah, one one oh two eight. And then yeah, finally, uh, Roger Bernadina one point one five nine. What a perfect. Two thousand fourteen. What a weird year. Man, I should have I should have went with Chris Heisey. <laughs> well, I think you have a rewind for us, and then some questions from Craig. I do. Um, okay, so the rewind we've mentioned Kershaw and his um, fifty nine WAR <clears throat> in the decade. Um, Nap Rucker was the very first Dodger to have a thirty WAR decade, and he did so in the nineteen tens. Uh, he only pitched for ten years. He pitched. This is the dead ball era. So 1907 and 1916 were his years. He was, uh, the Dodgers were bad in those years. Like the first eight of his years, the Dodgers were under 500. They barely, um, they were like between fifth and seventh in an eight team national league every single year. And then they finally like got to the world series in his final year, but he was kind of, um, broken down by then 1916, but, um, he was 131, 131 in his career, but he had a 242 ERA. That's lower than Kershaw nominally. It's the second best in uh, Dodgers history. Uh, but his ERA plus, to, to give you an idea of the air, was 119. So, like, um, uh, but yeah, to have a 500 record on those like terrible teams, very excellent. The first seven of those years, he was basically a, um, it's basically seven full years as a starter, then sort of hang, hung on. I, he had some arm issues. And, you know, back then the, there was really no, there was no um, nothing you could do when you had an arm injury. You were just kind of done. But in those seven full years, he averaged 17 wins, 18 losses, and 302 innings. <laughs> um, he got into the game. Uh, he got into one game in the 1916 World Series. It was mop-up duty in game four. The Dodgers lost that game. They were already down 6-2 to two in the game. He pitched two scoreless innings, though. Uh, the Sabre bio for Nap Rucker is written by Eric Enders, old friend of uh, Dodger Thoughts and Long time, like baseball historian, Dodger fan. Um, he, the quote um, he uh, got from, uh, or he included in the Sabre bio, Charles Ebbets, um, in 1915, he said, I would give a great deal of money to have my club in a World Series. Ebbets was the owner. They named Ebbets Field after him. Uh, Ebbets says, if only for the honor, it would bring Rucker. I will always regard him as one of the great men the game has uh, produced, greatest in every way. <laughs> um 1910, uh, Rucker led the National League in starts, 39 complete games, 27 innings, batter's face, and, and hits allowed because he was out there so long. He pitched 300 innings four times. He's eighth in Dodger history in innings pitched, despite only only pitching for 10 seasons. He's sixth overall in war, uh, 47.2. The are only five ahead of him are four Hall of Famers and Kershaw. Um, he was the first to have a 30 war decade, first Dodger. His he won 22 games in 1911. That was the Dodgers record in Brooklyn for a left-handed pitcher. So like um, nobody, no left-hander won more until Koufax. Basically, 
he had a 16 strikeout game in 1909. That was the Dodgers' strikeout record until Kopax in 1959. So that was that's a long time to hold a record. He mm-hmm. pitched a no hitter in 1908. That was the Dodgers' third um, no hitter in history. He had no walks in the game, but he also hit a batter. And the, <laughs> yeah. and the, the batter the battery hit was the opposing pitcher. That's a, that's a more <laughs> perfect game. <laughs> yeah, and. But also the Dodgers made three errors behind him. So Denmark. it was just a sloppy game all around. They won 6 nothing though. Um, he pitched the first game in Ebbets Field. Uh, it was a one nothing loss. That was sort of emblematic of how how good he was and how bad the Dodgers were. Um, he only allowed an under run in his eight innings that game. He pitched um, – uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, he also pitched in the first exhibition game at Ebbets Field. This was 1913. Uh, it was four days before the opener. They played the Yankees. Uh, he won that game. Uh, he was from Georgia. He scouted the South for like 20 years, roughly, give or take, uh, after his playing days were over. And among the players per – this was per, I believe, his Sab- – uh, I can't remember if this was Saber Bio or his, uh, his baseball reference wiki. Um, but uh, he he found Dazzy Vance, a Hall of Famer, among other things, Al Lopez, and Hugh Casey. Uh, as a scout so like he was you know one of those baseball lifer type guys and uh yeah so that's nap rucker i love it this is i i've really appreciated you bringing this in as someone as we know who kind of whose history memory gets a little hazy when you get before the the time i was alive i love hearing about these old dodgers yeah thanks buddy oh we have some time for questions from Craig. This may be the longest episode of the decade, so we'll get through this kind of <laughs> quick. With the non-tender deadline looming, give me the date of wit and when Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, and Chris Taylor sign their new deals. Okay, so we talked about deadlines sort of forcing the action here, and the Dodgers tend to like get deals done before then. It's usually the day of or the maybe the couple days after. We talked last episode about how Bellinger is a prime candidate for like a four year or like an extension possibly, but who knows that that could get done after he agrees to like a one year deal and they just keep talking through spring or something. Um, I will say, um, Muncie gets signed on the 9th, January 9th, one day before the exchange deadline and Bellinger and Taylor signed on the 10th. I'm going to go the third for all three. The third, a week before. Yep. All right. All right. You know what? You remind. Okay, you're you're adding. This I'm, okay, so we. I do think we noted this last week. We've we've done these bets forever and ever and ever, and we and never, we never kept track. track. Yeah. Never. We've never done it. Uh, I think a couple of times I said I would, and I never did. Um, you said the seventh for Muncie and ninth for the others. There, right? no um, ninth for Muncie and the tenth for the other okay. Bellinger Taylor for Muncie. Uh, but now we have a spreadsheet. We're keeping track of them, and we'll figure out what the stakes are. I'll be home. Uh, I'll be in, back in LA for the holidays. We'll we'll have a beer. We'll figure out what the stakes are going to be. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll do like a full year's worth and keep track of points or whatever. Or will we have a steak and figure out what the beers are going to oh, be? Oh man, I dislike that. <laughs> All right, next up. Uh, this is for you, and it's another 2010s question. This is wh- um, where did Mike Trout rank in AL total stats for for the decade in runs, hits, 
triples, and home runs. And I have the answers in front of me. So the funny part about this, I talked to you about this before we went on. Um, I, a a couple weeks ago when the MVP um, voting came out, I wrote something about Mike Trout and his sort of MVP award history in the last eight years. It's been ridiculous. I wrote for SB Nation. And among the things I included in the article were his like ranks in the majors since his debut, which was, uh, or I think I just counted since 2012. His, his basically eight full seasons. And the funny part, I, I remember a couple things, but like, I don't remember any of the things that Craig asked. So like, and then plus not to mention like how it, how I have to suss out who was ahead of him and figure out where he ranks on the AL. So I'm kind of winging it on some of these, All but right. yeah, feel free. Go ahead. Runs. Okay. Runs is his, like he's batted higher in the lineup. Um, Robinson Cano got traded out of the out of the league. So I'm gonna say uh I think he's first in runs. Correct. Can, you know yeah. who second is? Ian Kinsler. Hits. Wow. Yeah, wow. no, that, okay. that that tripped me up. Yeah. Hits. Okay, so hits lost a little bit of playing time a couple years, also walks a ton. So I think he's down the list on this, but since it's American League and not majors, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say sixth. Tenth. Wow, okay. Yeah, right. I think again walking a ton, I think is probably the, the big thing there. Yeah. Triples. Offhand I couldn't tell you how many triples he has. Forty six. Probably a, I'll okay, give you that. that that's a shocking amount because, and given that nobody hits triples anymore, I'm going to just say he's third. Correct, Amundo on the dot. Wow, Brett Gardner okay, first, now, Austin Jackson was second. I was going to say I, I couldn't. It would have taken me a long time to guess who's <laughs> ahead of him. Uh, home runs. Home runs. I believe he has like two forty something, or maybe a little higher. I think you're okay. missing a season. <laughs> okay. huh. It is a season. Okay, so. I think you may literally be missing a season. <laughs> two eighty-five. Okay, so I know, I know for sure. Oh, it's two eighty-five. Holy shit! Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, it took the hour and a half mark for you to hit. Okay, <laughs> explicit. We got there though. Okay, so I think, I think he's third. You are correct because, um, if I remember right, it's Nelson Cruz and Edwin Encarnacion ahead of him. Dead on. Yeah. You remember and your think, own trippers. And I and I think uh Giancarlo Stanton is the only one in between them. Uh, uh, don't I only have AL numbers, so I couldn't uh, tell you. I hear you. Yeah. Next week they will announce will they announce any of these nominees on the twenty twenty modern era baseball era ballot? I've got a large large list for you. Just if you think any of these names have a chance, let me know. Dwight Evans, Steve Garvey, Tommy John, Dodd Mattingly, Marvin Miller, Thurman Munson, Dale Murphy. Dave Parker, Ted Simmons, and Lou Whitaker. Uh, I think Marvin Miller should be in, like the easiest one there. But like, I just think it's, I don't know. You, you have to get 12 out of 16. It's a smaller, like more crony type uh, thing. It's a mix of, uh, there's a few writers, um, the ex-Hall of Fame president. Uh, some Hall of Famers are on this list too. There's a lot of agenda stuff going on in these little like backroom things. It gets announced next week. I, I don't think Miller will be a uh, pick just because he hasn't been multiple times. Um, 
I think of this group, look, we had um, Alan Trammell and Jack Morris already elected. Lou Whitaker was as good or better than Morris, I think, and roughly as good as Alan Trammell. Um, a great combo and like shamefully off the ballot Hall of Fame writers ballot after one year. He got like uh, two point something percent, I think, and he was off the, just terrible. So will that get corrected now? I think in three years ago, Lou Whitaker was actually left off this ballot. So I think it's a, it's a hard thing to say that he's going to jump from not being considered to all of a sudden having the support to get the 12 votes. So he's out. Uh, man, who do they pick? Like, I don't know. Who do they really pick here? Uh, Dwight Evans has a very good case. I think Tommy John has a case baseball-wise and historical significance-wise. So, uh, like, if I had to pick, I would say, like, who I would vote for. Marvin Miller, um, Lou Whitaker, Ted Simmons, and maybe Dwight Evans. Because you can only vote for four. But, like, I don't know if any of them get in. I Let's say... Uh, I I don't remember what any of the voting was the last the three years ago when these last folks were up. Hmm. So this is just a total guess on my part, but I'm gonna guess. Uh, yeah, I'll just say Lou Whitaker. I don't know. Uh, nah, yeah, who knows? It's mm-hmm. a total guess. This is obviously a question for Jay Jaffe. This is his bread yeah, and butter. Yeah, and, and go to Fangraphs. He's he's like written up everything on this um, yeah and i i have not read all of them but it's that when i get to one there are some of yeah. my favorite reads and the one i did get to uh and he makes the case for is thurman munson so sure. he's he's the name i i think should be in there um a lot of i an old teacher of mine was a is a huge yankees fan of that era who i think he has that sort of peewee reese era where like maybe numbers wise you're just a little short but one well, it's because he died <laughs> right yeah and, he died like during his career yeah like, and, and and two yeah. not even if even if he just decided to retire early he has that that sort of aura of a special member on the special team uh, mvp multiple world series winner like yeah. n- noted like leader of a chaotic, exactly and like, i think that like, i think that allows like yeah. that, that they can't and you can make the argument that that shouldn't have been enough to get peewee reese into the hall of fame but but, but, but the longevity and like yes. actual performance too yeah exactly and, and i think You're right. i think it's certainly enough to get thurman over the bar so but also like kirby puckett got the the benefit of like getting mm-hmm. an injury shortened career and like munson was way better than puckett I think, you know, just off the top of my head, like he was better than Puckett, I think. Different positions, obviously. Right. Also, all time facial hair, baseball Hall of Fame. So that alone, Thurman. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially like got away with that on the Yankees. That's just that's that's worth Uh something. (laughs) I noticed on Sunday evening when I walked past the same store window display, both going and coming back from dinner that I heard Nat King Cole's version of the Christmas song each time, so that led me to believe that it's on a continuous <laughs> loop 24 hours a day. My request, pick two holiday-themed songs, any genre, that you could hear more than twice a day through Christmas. Uh, look, well, you know what's like, not I... on this list? Wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> what, yeah. That's the one that played basically almost... It, wasn't, it was like a five-song list, and that was one of them uh, when I worked at a mall, and it was... 
I just cringed every time it came on. Simply. Simply. <laughs> um, okay. So look, I'm going to go total cliche and I'm a, I'm a bastard for doing this, but it's the, the Bruce Springsteen, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. I literally listened to that today once already. I'm going to listen to it again today just so I can get it twice just to fulfill Craig's requirement. Um, we have to pick two. Um, okay. Um, there's like a lot of good uh, Christmas songs. Um, but how do, how many of these do you want to hear over and over again? Or I guess twice a day um i don't do you want to pick one first and let me think sure so i this is where um this is actually very much up my alley because i used to maintain when rdo was a streaming music service and try to maintain it on spotify but i've been behind a christmas playlist so um i can't count it because it's not technically a song and i don't think of this i think of this as an album uh but you have the charlie brown christmas album which i basically do listen to on repeat uh, during the Christmas season. I don't know if I could pick one song off of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Greensleeves, but I don't know. Um, but if I had to go songs, uh, my two favorite Christmas songs, and they're both kind of indie pop rock hits, not hits, but they they were made. Uh, Rilo Kylie has a song called Xmas Cake. Um, and fit, fitting for this, they're both food related. Uh, the Minus Five have a song called Your Christmas Whiskey. Nice. Um, I, w- I think I'm going to go traditional, like... Uh... I as much as I I almost want to say the Bing Crosby White Christmas um because it's so like iconic but it's also like a little bit stuffy like if you if you want to go uh I'm going to go it's it's still very old but also kind of cool I'm going to go Blue Christmas by Elvis All right no, acceptable. I also I'm yeah. going to note this I think the other song that gets brought up other than Wonderful Christmas Time of sort of the ad nauseum effect of this season is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. There are worse songs to be played ad nauseum. That's all. I'm That's a say. good song. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then also, uh, and I'd be remiss if I if I didn't mention Last Christmas. Uh, sure. Because that's, that's a fun song too. Last question. Last Cra- question. As we may know, Eric, Craig is in Paris this week, so his food question is about breakfast pastry, but not the donut, the croissant. Uh-huh. Do you remember, he first wants to know, do you remember the first time you had a croissant? And no, I don't. I, I cannot say I do. Like okay. the first, probably the first, mm, it was it, a, it I, want, I want, almost want to say it's Burger King, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's it's the most dominant. Um, Mine was probably like a Pillsbury popping in the yeah, oven thing. Like I, oh. I'm sure, I, I don't know if we actually... Yeah, like they well, the, I think Pillsbury like technically they, they those just are call croissant them rolls. Crescent, yeah, like yeah, crescent yeah. rolls, but like because they're like, well, we can't, we don't. Know yeah, <laughs> the French are gonna get really mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they had freedom rolls or no, I don't know. Um, no, um, yeah, I I can't remember. Like, there had to be a certain time where we maybe it was like a store bought collection of pastries, sure, or something. So maybe that's it, but like. I don't know if I associated it with anything other than like. Yeah, for me, like, I probably uh, just thought it was the same thing as the Pillsbury thing because I was, you know, exactly. an uneducated ten year old or something. Yeah, but anyways, and the, the croissant which is solid. The final question: Rank yeah. the following croissants: plain, savory cheese cheese counts as savory, and yeah. sweet like a chocolate croissant. Well, like I, I am a huge proponent of. Uh, 
Like if I had to pick a breakfast pastry, and I guess wait, does pastry like count like any like toasted thing or like uh, like a bagel? That doesn't count. I don't think so. Okay, okay, because I would say cheese Danish is probably my Mm go-to pastry, and so I would I would rank savory first. And I can't say I've had a chocolate croissant. Oh, your your I, list I would, is going to change. <laughs> like I would imagine, it's very good. It's but very like, good. I think for now, I I like I would I would imagine it's better than plain. So I'm picking it second, and then plain. Um, but like I don't I don't know if I would want a plain croissant, other than to like surround it with meat. Like I would make mm-hmm. it the bread mm-hmm. for a breakfast sandwich. But um. But yeah, I, I think I, for me it's cheese or savory the whole way. Chocolate, savory, plain. Although I do like a plain one with just a little bit of butter and jam. So yep, done. Yay! Whew, uh, that was a long one. Yeah. So well, federal or the federal meeting, uh, the, <laughs> the winter meetings will be um, completed uh, by the time we record next, which will be before Christmas. Um, and uh, the, the market's moving a little faster this time. Yeah. Uh, actually, as we're recording, um, Mike Mustakas reporter multiple reports, four years, sixty-four million with the Reds. Ooh. Uh, so things are getting a little interesting. Um, yeah, and the uh, Padres traded for um, Jerickson Profar from the A's. So they've been sort of wheeling and dealing. Oh, and they signed Drew Pomerantz too last week. So. So yeah, if anything breaking happens with the Dodgers, you and I might try to record earlier. Otherwise, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We may take an extra week off over the holidays just because I'll be traveling. We'll be busy. But we might have a bonus episode. We'll see. By the way, we'll talk to you at least in two weeks. Thanks for listening, everybody.